Hello, and welcome to Tech Champagne, a wealth expansion podcast designed to help you turn simple ideas into major impact and big revenue. I'm Elisa Wilcox, and I've spent the last 11 years helping women entrepreneurs build six and seven figure businesses with simple systems and automation. I'm here to guide you and give you my exact strategies for money, marketing, and automated business growth so you can create the life and business you truly desire. The income level you really want is well within your reach. Let's do this together. Hi, and welcome back to Tech Champagne. Today, we've got a juicy topic. We are talking about retreats today. We're talking about hosting them. We are talking about attending them. We're talking about the mistakes that you can avoid that I've already made that I'm going to share with you today. And I'm really excited to dig in. My name is Elisa Wilcox, and I'm your host. I'm excited that you're back here with me on Tech Champagne, where we talk about all things technology for your online business. But we also talk about business growth and strategies to get you to where you want to be revenue-wise, business growth, the clients that you want to speak directly to, all the good stuff with your online business. Okay, so today, are you ready? We're going to dig into retreats. So I'm going to focus on two different strategies for retreats. One is being a leader, hosting the retreat, how to do it, how not to do it, (laughs) and all the things in between. So let's start there. Okay. I think I've hosted six or seven retreats now in the last several years for women entrepreneurs. Typically we shoot for 80 to hundred attendees. So they're pretty large scale events. And there is a list of tasks that you have to have nailed down in order to host a live event successfully so that you don't lose your marbles. The first thing I would highly suggest is to hire an event planner because these can really start to resemble planning a wedding. And if any of you have ever planned a wedding they can make you a little nutty. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of details. And if you're like me and details are really not your jam, then I would hire an event professional or at least connect with a lot of volunteers who have a lot of experience with hosting events. So this is all going to be completely dependent on your budget, but I'm going to give you some uh, tricks here to help you on that journey. Okay. So if you are hosting a retreat, If you have that in your heart at all, I highly suggest you do it. It really gives you a level of visibility that you don't have if you are attending an event. So you are front and center. You're in the marketing beforehand. You're on the social media promotion. You are there at the event speaking in front of everybody, really creating a level of connection that only a leader can create. So if it is on your heart at all to host a retreat or a large event, they don't have to be called retreats. Sometimes they're called summits. Sometimes they're called you know, events, academies, seminars, whatever speaks to you is the terminology you can use. So I'm going to use retreat today just because those are my favorite. So the first thing that you should have in place is a team. I have planned uh, events with a business partner before. I could never do these on my own. I just know that it would not be a good strategy for me to attempt to do these by myself. I would make myself crazy. So have a team in place whether that be a business partner or a team of volunteers or someone who would like to help you sell tickets, maybe they're affiliates. Um, you really have to outline all of the tasks that you need help with from who's getting coffee in the morning, who's picking up the coffee. Are you having food delivered? Um, are your guests staying the weekend? Is it at a private property? If so, are there welcome bags? There's a lot of different details that go into planning a retreat. 
So I do highly suggest that you have a team in place. And what we do for our retreats is I like to build these events around the venue. So I try to find a venue that is sort of, you know, all inclusive that has everything there for everyone. The last event I planned was at a, a villa here in Santa Barbara, slept 25 women comfortably. So it was a really large um, estate. And so we reserved this venue knowing that we were going to sell tickets to cover the cost of the venue and a few other things. So finding that perfect venue that lights you up is going to help you start to outline your costs. So I like to build things around the venue, see what the vibe is, because the venue really is going to determine the whole vibe of your event. And if you are creating space for women to feel successful and to get out of their comfort zone, to get out of their homes, their normal day-to-day life, make it as dreamy as you possibly can. That's really the name of the game here. So once you have your venue nailed down, I like to start a little spreadsheet with the costs, right? So that really helps you kind of plan along the way. So your venue, uh, your food, are you having a caterer come in? What I've done for mine is I've had a caterer do breakfast or I'm sorry, I have a caterer do lunch and dinner. And then we keep breakfasts really simple. We have pastries, we have fruit, we have yogurt, canola, uh, cereal, coffee, tea, just really easy, um, really easy foods for people to wake up, have a little snack and then dig into the day. So we like to keep it simple with food typically in the morning. Um, are you having gift bags? Do you have gifts for your attendees? That's part of your expenses. I highly, highly suggest having a photographer. This will help you market it years, years to come and will really help you with your social media marketing and just really sharing the magic that is your event. If you want to have a videographer, you can do that as well. You can create a really great promo video for the next event. And I also suggest having somebody lead movement in the morning, help your people wake up. Don't have them depend on caffeine and sugar. You will just have cranky people in the afternoon. So make sure that there's movement in the morning. I like to have yoga and meditation in the morning. So I have someone who specializes, who's a yoga guru, typically come and attend the retreat and they teach yoga and meditation in the morning. Um, we might do yoga one morning. And then the second morning, we might do more of like a cardio based class. We've done that in the past where we had cardio kickboxing, which wakes people up really fast and it's fun. It really creates this community and connection with your attendees. So movement in the morning, really, really important. Another expense you might have is the insurance. So you're going to have day insurance. You're going to have event insurance for the weekend. And that's going to be really important for you legally to protect yourself. So those forms are going to be released a liability now during, you know, the state of the world. Now you're also going to have probably a release of liability for COVID purposes, just letting everybody know that you have done your due diligence, but that you are not liable, um, for anything that might happen after the event. So those are legal forms that you'll have in place. And I know I say this quite often, but my go-to resource for legal forms is Natalie Puglisi and her last name is spelled P-U-G-L-I-S-I. So you can go to NatalePuglisi.com and you can get forms for your event there. She's my go-to resource. She is awesome. So those are some costs that you will have for your event. You might have a few additional, um, you know, you kind of figure it out as you go. So next, what's the next part of your event? So when I do events, I don't typically do them to 
make a bunch of money. And I'll tell you why that is. So you do have some costs associated with your event, of course. And in my events, I like to sell tickets to cover those costs. And the goal when I'm hosting retreats or events is to try to break even. And they are designed to break even. Sometimes we make a bit of profit, not always, but what you're doing at these retreats is really creating long-term connection. So the money will come after the retreat and it will come for years. So I don't want you to get too stick, too stuck on ticket prices, trying to charge really high tickets in order to make a huge profit because events are just the first step in you creating these new relationships and these new connections. And the money will come, like I said, throughout the year, the following year and the year after that. So for your tickets, you can have several different types of tickets. They don't all have to be attendee tickets. Of course, that's the easiest one. Most simple who wants to attend the retreat and the cost of these is totally up to you. Like I said, it's going to depend on the costs of your venue and the overhead that you have. So you have attendee tickets. You can also have speaker tickets. You can also have vendor tickets and another ticket you can have are author tickets. So in events that I've done in the past, we have attendee tickets, which are typically the highest investment. And then we also love to have speakers. Oh, speakers make the event so amazing. So what I like to do is put it out into the universe, meaning social media, that I'm looking for speakers for an event and give some details about the event. So then I do interviews with speakers, typically on Zoom, and I let them know this is a ticketed event and our speaker tickets typically have been 10% of the attendee tickets. Um, and most speakers are okay with that. Now, keep in mind, there are some speakers that get paid several thousand dollars to speak at your events. So if you do have a paid speaker ticket, this is probably not the event for them. And that is totally cool. Totally fine. Because our goal really is to have people attend. So if you are comping tickets for a lot of people, the likelihood that they will attend, um, can be lower, you know, life happens. And I really like to have people invested energetically, financially, emotionally in my events. I feel like it really creates cohesion and really builds that community. So we've got attendee tickets, speaker tickets. I also sell vendor tickets. So I have a very small number of vendor tickets and I usually only accept one vendor per industry. So for example, if you have, uh, you know, these are women's events typically that I host. So if you have a women's activewear line at your event, you don't want to have four or five vendors who are all selling women's active wear. <laughs> that is really not going to help anyone be successful. So what I like to do is tell the vendors, you are the only vendor in your industry. So you might have active wear. You might have another one who sells jewelry. You might have another one who sells, oh gosh, um, like makeup products, skincare, things like that. It can be anything. So I usually reserve depending on the space. Cause you also don't want to crowd the space and make it like a market because <laughs> you want the focus to be on the speakers and the program for the retreat. So I usually do a four to five vendor tickets for the retreat and people can engage with them. I always tell my vendors and speakers that I love for them to participate fully in the retreat. So they're not just speakers or just vendors. They have full range to attend for the entire weekend. And we would just love for them to be as immersed as possible in the entire event and connect with everybody. So in addition to those, we also have vendor tickets sometimes depending on the venue, if it's for the whole weekend. So there are a lot of people who love to share their books. And so we have that level of ticket. 
where they can come and read a passage from their book, maybe in the evening during, you know, cocktail hour or, you know, just after dinner and people are winding down and then they can also bring their books for sale. So that's a win-win as well. So you have all these tickets, speakers, vendors, authors are designed that people who come can grow their businesses and create connection. So if you have a venue that is reserved for the weekend and your attendee tickets are typically for the weekend, you can also, here's another ticket for you, sell day passes. That's an option. So for some people who can't attend for the whole weekend, maybe they have small kids at home, or maybe the cost is not in line with them just now. Um, you can have day passes. I do that quite often. And they, that works really, really well in building the audience and getting people to attend and just really expanding the vibe of the event. And in addition to these paid tickets, please make sure you have volunteers. A volunteer team um, are typically people that are pretty well-versed in the event space or just willing to do whatever it is you need them to do. I had a volunteer at the last event. She was wonderful. She took the trash out for us during the event. She never asked, you know, what needed to be done. She just saw it and did it. <laughs> she did. She kept the ice buckets filled. She kept the hors d'oeuvres coming. She kept, um, the wine buckets filled with bottles of wine. She was just amazing. So volunteers who are really willing to step up and help with everything are going to make your whole life. I promise you, because these can be really, really stressful. Okay. So finding the space to build around is really the key to creating the vibe of your event. So be really intentional with that. Be really intentional with the spaces where people are going to be gathering. Is it comfortable? Do you have a communal table, you know, for meals, you really want to make sure people are not, um, you know, split up into different groups. You want space for people to connect. And another way to help people connect is to create games. So the beginning of events, we like to have icebreaker games. Once we had a um, scavenger hunt, that was super fun. We broke people up into teams of four and they got to make friends. You know, it's really, it can be difficult for people to walk into an event. Just think you walk into a room of 80 people you don't know. It's not everyone's personality to shake hands and introduce themselves. You know, there's a lot of introverts. There's a lot of extroverts. And so we have to really make sure that we're serving everybody by creating these activities that help people connect with each other. So like I said, having an icebreaker, having a communal meal table is really, really important um, for creating that connection. And something that kind of falls into the marketing bucket here is to make sure you have a tool in place. You know, this is tech champagne. We talk about tech tools. I love tech tools. I love automation. So there's a tool that I use at my events called Hash Slider. You can go to hashslider.com, H-A-S-H-S-L-I-D-E-R. And what Hash Slider does is it allows people to post on their Instagrams at event. You determine with your account the hashtag that you want to use for your event. So if it is hashtag retreat, then you're going to share with everyone at the beginning of your event. If you post on Instagram and use our hashtag, there's going to be a live feed up on the screen. We usually use a projector and we just have it going all day. So as people are taking fun Instagrams and posting them, there's just a live feed that's pulling from this hashtag through hash slider and post and posting it on the wall. And people get really excited to see the pictures that they're taking up on the wall. So that's a really fun thing to add to your event. So, and of course, every event has to have rules, right? So one rule 
that I typically have in place is, you know, we really want to take care of our speakers. We want them to feel comfortable. We prepare them ahead of time, connect with them, you know, on a few zoom calls ahead of time. We also like to see their presentations ahead of time, just to be really clear on what they are presenting and how that can, you know, serve our audience the best, but here's something, here's a rule that we have in place. (laughs) We don't typically allow our speakers to pitch paid programs from their presentations. And while we want everybody to grow their businesses, we certainly do not want the audience to sit through, you know, two day long commercials. So that's a, that's a rule that we have. We really want it to be authentic, but I do tell everyone, you know, I love me a sales funnel and a freebie and building sales funnels and email lists. So what I tell speakers in advance is that they can certainly offer a freebie. So if you go up and do a presentation, you can say, I have a free tool. It's on my website. You can put it up on your presentation. People can go to your website, get your freebie, end up on your email list. Kumbaya. Everybody's happy, right? That feels a lot more organic, a lot better than people saying, I have a program. It starts tomorrow. And the investment is this. And that just feels kind of sticky to hear from somebody that you don't know anyway. Right. So it's, it's really important to let your speakers know that they're not going to be pitching paid programs. (laughs) That's really, really important, but do invite them to grow their email lists. And there's also text marketing that you can use in those cases to get people on your email list, which I love. I love text marketing, a text opt-in during an event makes me really happy. You can also have them create a QR code that people can just take a picture with their phones and they can get to your opt-in page that way. So that makes it really easy. Okay. So that is hosting an event that makes you the leader. That makes you super visible. That allows you to connect with a lot of people in a very short period of time. And of course, during your event, you are going to have presentation as well. The big shebang should be yours, right? Because you've put a lot of effort into planning this retreat. So make sure that everybody knows your zone of genius and how they can work with you. Typically for my events, what we do is we create a mastermind or something else for them to go into after the event, because the worst thing you can do after hosting an event is leave people hanging. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, We usually do two to three day events. And on the last day of the event, we have a program that you know, usually myself and a business partner that we pitch and it is a paid program and it is a container for everyone to go into should they want to. So that can be a mastermind that can be a group program. Maybe it's, you know, two to three months long that can be anything, but it's more of a longer term, um, you know, bucket for them to be in so they can continue with everything they've learned at your event. It is designed to help people be really successful. So they've already spent, you know, some money, they've bought a ticket. They've spent a lot of time with you. They've made arrangements with their families, their pets, <laughs> you know, maybe they've traveled. So they've really put a lot of energy and intention into attending your event. So make sure at the end of your event that you have the next step for them. And to be very honest from a business perspective, if you don't have something else for people to invest in, you're really leaving a lot of money on the table. and. You're just not really following through with the connection that you're building. So please make sure that you do have a paid program for your people to jump into at the end of your event. Okay. So now let's switch gears for a moment and talk about attending these retreats. So it's important that the retreat speaks to you. Of course, you don't want to just attend every single retreat that every single retreat you see, 
but you want to be really intentional with them. So for example, if there's a retreat coming up and the ticket price, let's just say as an attendee is $1,500. I don't want you to look at that and say, oh my gosh, $1,500 is a lot to attend a weekend retreat. If that is how you're feeling, I want you to write it down and then write down why you think that. Is it because you think you're too busy? Is it because you think you don't deserve to take a weekend for yourself? Is it because you think your family and friends are going to need you and and need you all the time? (laughs) Um, Are you thinking in terms of just those dollars? Are you thinking in terms of what $1,500 can spend at the grocery store or on your bills or on your credit cards? (laughs) Those are really common thoughts when we're trying to decide how to invest in our businesses, because I will tell you, these are business investments. Your CPA will be happy. I am not a tax professional and this is not tax advice, but these are business expenses. They're write-offs. Going to retreats with other people in your space, entrepreneurs, people you're connecting with, potential clients, that is a business expense. You are going there with the purpose of connecting and continuing to build your business. So I don't want you to think of these events in terms of the dollars, $1,500, because guess what? You can pay $1,500, go to a retreat and walk away with a $10,000 new client. That happens all the time, all the time. So if you are thinking about attending a retreat, I want you to write down any sort of hesitation or aversion you might be having to it. And I want you to put a big X over it and decide to attend the retreat anyway. It's really important to be connecting with people in person. And I always say, if you think you're going to grow your business to multiple six figures, just by posting on your Instagram and on your Facebook, that is not it. Creating these connections in person will help grow your business for years. So if you are thinking of attending an event, reach out to them, ask if they need speakers. Being a speaker at an event is a really high level of visibility. And if they're fully stocked on speakers, that is okay. You can still go and attend and connect and participate and post about it on your social media and really get to know the people that are planning the retreat and just making sure that everybody knows what you, what it is that you do, how you help your clients, what impact you want to have on the world? Because I will tell you the best connections you can make for your business are done at the dinner table. They're done in the hot tub. They're done sitting drinking wine in front of a fireplace. You know, people always say the best business connections are made on the golf course, right? That's, that's when you're talking to people and you're being a real person, not a marketer. So make sure that for your business planning for 2022, that you have live events on your radar. If you're not into hosting them, if that's not really your vibe just yet, then attend one and talk to this, to the planners and ask them, how the planning process went, how their idea came about, how their execution worked, um, anything they could advise you against doing, anything they could recommend you doing. You can really kind of tap into the people that are planning these retreats so that when you are ready to do it yourself, you'll be fully prepared. Okay. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you enjoyed uh, the rundown on retreats. They are so good for your business. I will tell you, I attend them and I typically see clients from retreats that I host and retreats that I attend for years, 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 I promise you. So, okay. Thanks so much again for being with me here this week. And I look forward to seeing you next week on Tech Champagne. Bye. Thank you for spending your time with me today. 
I hope this episode brought you exactly what you needed. If you had fun today, be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me a review. Your support means the world to me and it helps other women entrepreneurs find the show as well. And if you're looking for a free place to connect and learn more about creating your own six-figure online business, check out my Facebook group, Empowered Entrepreneurs. See you on the next episode.